Welcome to Rosy Conversations. We have vibrant conversations on cultural, social, political, and health issues that help to inspire and create courageous participation within females and bring forth change. We want to empower and create change agents, movers and shakers, visionaries, disruptors, and new female voices for change and equality. We're here to find new and inspiring ways for the feminine to shape the world today. We welcome you to listen and we hope you have your own rosy conversations. Hi everyone, welcome to Rosie Conversations. This is Telsey's and I'm here with my co-host Paula. What up, how's it going? <laughs> we are excited about today's conversation as we are with every conversation, but um, this one is a little bit near and dear to my heart. Um, and this one is a two-part conversation because we can't, I don't think we can get it all in in one. Um, <laughs> and so in my opinion, it's, a, it's an all too much needed movement. It's a revolution. It's a shift in habits. It's a shift in our perspectives. In some cases, it's a complete overhaul of the way that we think. And it's the Black Lives Matter 2 movement. And I'm, we're calling it the Black Lives Matter 2 movement because we're trying to stay away from the politicization, if you will, of Black Lives Matter. But it's a, it's a two. It's not all lives matter, but this one really matters the most. And the spotlight really needs to happen because we need to help to support the normalization and equalization of justice for Black people. And so this two aspect of it is really important that we discuss because it's time. And the world has seen, we've seen it all over the world, not just in the Americas, but all over the world. And so, you know, in a system that was set up to oppress our darker melanated brothers and sisters that's been happening for centuries, having this conversation, enlightening people, even challenging our own belief systems and why we believe what we believe is really important. Don't you think, Pete? Yeah, no, I absolutely do. I think, um, you know, it's it's high time that more people have this conversation. You know, I, I know that this episode is a one in a million, but that's such a great thing to say that that's how many people are talking about this. Um, regardless of whether you call it Black Lives Matter or just racial equality, like, you can call it whatever you want, but as long as you believe that everyone deserves the right to be treated equally, then, you know, we're on the same page. Um, and, and, but, you know, that's the thing, right? This, this isn't something new. This isn't something that, you know, it might feel like it's reaching a tipping point because so many people around the world are having the same kind of conversation. They're coming out in droves, regardless of a pandemic, regardless of whatever situation their country's in. It feels like more people are involved than ever. But we have to be honest that this is something that has been going on for centuries and in a lot of places, you know, even millennia if we want. And it's all because, you know, at one point in time, a white man saw a black man and thought because there was such a difference in their skin, he had to have been, you know, more powerful. He had to exert power over him. And it's you know, we're seeing the result of that even today. And it's only because the science wasn't advanced enough to know what melanin was and what was actually <laughs> causing this difference in, in physical appearance. And, um, you know, I feel like this anger that we're, fe we're seeing and even people like us who are light-skinned, who, you know, to some degree take some privilege from not, you know, being darker-skinned, 
um, even people like us are are angry too and putting our voices into that movement, which is so beautiful. And, and I think that these kinds of movements really do get more and more powerful the more people like us, you know, join that and, you know, add our voices into the crowd. Um, but, you know, for me, at least a sad thing to see is that, um, you know, regardless of however much information we have and how easy it is to access information now, at, you know, at the drop of a hat, at touch of our fingertips, people still choose to want to be uneducated on the simple truth, which like now we know the real fact as to why there's this different and color of our skin and they want to keep trying to exert this power and white supremacy and and it's it's scary that even in a modernized society like today there's still this fight there's still this struggle and it's like why why are we still having this conversation when we know the solution when we know the reality of it you know it's like ah <laughs> right it's frustrating yes so frustrating. it's definitely frustrating and 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 this is it's frustrating for for us you know and and it Every time I feel frustrated, I always like take a step back and I think, well, okay, how, how, how are, you know, the black, how's the black population for, like feeling yeah. if I feel frustrated as a, you know, observer? Yeah, you see these memes that say, tired of hearing about, uh, about racism, imagine people who've experienced exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Right. And so it, that's really a, such a, it's such an amazing call out, you know, to really think. And, and to your point, Apollo, what you mentioned before about, you mentioned white supremacy, and I, yes, I think that that is um, at the forefront of the racism conversation. But it's also not just about white supremacy specifically. It's also Hispanics. It's also you know, it, it's all these marginalized communities that they're different. In my opinion, there are different levels of racism, and even right? and even within the black community, like the people who are mixed, mixed race. Yeah, colorism mm-hmm. is an issue too. And and yeah. granted, I mean, they 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 don't experience the the you know full privilege that someone who is a hundred percent right white experiences, but they do get ostracized and and marginalized within their own communities. Right, and and you know, for for me, the hardest thing is I don't understand power. Like, I don't understand how somebody can exert power over another person based off of the color of their skin or the way that they are, or if they're more empathic or compassionate. I've never been able to understand that. I've always had a tough time with that. And so I, I really, because I think I operate from a very empathic viewpoint, I just don't understand. I, I think that the people that are in positions of power should act with the utmost integrity. And I don't think I don't believe that they are, unfortunately, you know, and so in, and you, 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 we tend to, in our society, we tend to look up to people who are quote unquote role models, quote unquote, in positions of power. And I think, I think that there's one thing that this year has taught us is that we need to like blow that out because everybody is human. We are all with, you know, with, with severe imperfections, right. And even the people in power, severe imperfections that we've seen across this year alone, right. When we've needed people the most in positions of power, to really take integrity and really tell us what is going on. And we haven't seen it in every aspect. And so I think we need to really demystify the positions of power and the fact that they are human. They are going to make mistakes. You know, I think in social media right now, A, the ability for, um, for all of this to be so heavily spoken about is because of social media, right? And they've said, people have come out in, all over the world, right? Well, it's the first time we have this like dynamic, environment and and, and and climate, right, to be able to do that. We're home in a pandemic. 
everybody is checking their social media. People are speaking out. I think it was this perfect storm, this recipe for a perfect storm for this to kind of take place the way it has. And we have the eyes and the eyes of the world, right? Before in the 60s, you couldn't see this stuff happening, right? You just didn't know unless you were in Selma or you were in other, or even what happened with Tulsa, you know what I mean? You just don't, you don't know what you don't know until you hear what happened. But now you're like an active, you can be an active participant, right? So in any case, um, let's get into it besides us just us talking about it, right? Um, I do want to share this important thought that I came across on social media. I can't remember the social media that was on a podcast. I listened to a lot of different things. And so, but it was so mind blowing to me and it was so on point that I think that everybody really needs to hear it. And it goes, racism is not a difference of opinion. It is a psychological, systemic, spiritual, and physical violence. I want to repeat it because I think it's so powerful. Racism is not a difference of opinion. It is a psychological, systemic, spiritual, and physical violence. And I think for me, the hardest thing for me to swallow is that people feel like racism is a difference of opinion. And it isn't. We're all human. You know, and so I really struggle with that. Again, like I told you, I struggle with power and I struggle with that. It's not a difference of opinion. We are all human, period. We all bleed the same color. We just have different colors outside, right? Don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. Hello? Where's the yeah. beingness of this, right? And so I think it's time to talk about the elephant in the room. And I'm excited that a lot of, like you mentioned earlier, that this conversation is being had all over the world. And I'm excited about it. It's been way too long coming. Um, and there are a lot of opinions, unfortunately, unfortunately, right? There are a lot of opinions in social media. Everyone has a platform. If you have a Twitter account, if you have an Instagram everybody's got something to say, um, which is exciting. And then it's also a little bit disheartening to see that people's true colors are coming out and maybe those colors are not as pretty or as nice as you would have liked them to be. Um, And I can speak for myself. I've had a lot of friends who've spoken out and, you know, maybe I'm not going to be friends with those people anymore. I don't know. You know, it's important, (laughs) but, but it is. And I don't think people have a filter anymore. I think that the era of PC is out the door. Do you think that? Yeah. No, I, yeah. I mean, I thought being overly PC was also an issue. No, that's out the now, door now. I think, like, I think that the yeah. filter. This is the real the no filter. filter. Has been removed, right? And people are really speaking. They're lashing out. Uh, unfortunately, it's become extremely politicized, which I really don't understand why racism should even be politicized. But um you know, I, I, I'm, I'm encouraged and I'm discouraged by a lot of things that I'm reading. And, um, and I think it's a matter of specifically the Black Lives Matter Two movement. It's not a matter of special treatment. It's a matter of equal treatment. And that's only fair. You know, we're all human. We're made equal. Um, and we shouldn't have, we shouldn't be made to feel any less because of the color of our skin. And who says white is like, who says white is where it's at? You know what I mean? Like, no. Personally, if you ask me, I think black skin is beautiful and all the different versions right. of it, right? The different, I think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. And so um, I, I get, as you can see, I get really fired up about this topic. Yeah, so I'm going <laughs> to give the floor to Paula a little bit to talk a little bit about her thoughts. No, I mean, I, I also think, uh, and not just on a color standpoint, but everything we love about like white culture is yeah. pretty much black, you know, music yeah. and food and, and just like ways of life and celebrations. Like, um, 
But, you know, you, you did say something interesting, which is it is true, like having social media and being at home and having more time to kind of observe what's happening in the world. You do start to see people's, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote, true colors come out. But the sad thing is that those colors have yeah. always been there. And we have gone through a few decades of the people who are, you know, for the civil rights movement, the people who are vocal about racial equality, they, they kind of held the microphone for a very long time, which is kind of, at the end of the day, a dangerous thing because it makes people who agree with those things believe that this echo chamber we live in is like something that a majority of people agree with or share, you know. And so this surprise that, you know, Donald Trump and a lot of his followers and um, have been able to lift the curtain and show that actually, you know, Racists live among us. They're in our families. They're in our offices. They're, you know, in our day-to-day lives. It, it's pretty jarring, right? But Black people who experiences these microaggressions, these micro-racist situations every single day are like, yeah, guys, it's Welcome like... Welcome to the party. We've you been know, here for great, a while. Great. Yeah, you, you got here a little late, you know. <laughs> but, but and the truth is, too, is like I was, you know, I, 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 I think that power, this obsession with power, this obsession with greed, this is actually purely like one of the most animalistic instincts that we have in the animal kingdom. You know, there needs to be a leader. And what does that mean? There needs to be something that we showcase that, you know, shows that one is stronger than the other or, you know, one is better than the other. One is the better leader to follow. And unfortunately, the very obvious things like gender and race have been used as those, you know, stepping stones, those differentiating points. And, that's where I say is like not to be a Debbie Downer, but it is very, very hard to envision a future where equality fully 100% exists only because the idea that we're advancing as a society to a better version of ourselves, you know, we're we're pushing forward into this future where things like equality and and a stable government and a, you know, easy day-to-day life is is what we're working towards. I mean, we're pretty much being shown that that's not the case, that that a step back can happen anytime, no matter how advanced your society is. You know, this comfort is not, you know, given to us. And in fact, in many ways, we can't even fight for it. So like, you know, I, I do feel that we need to see that the sad part of it is that, you, like you said, it has become politicized to the sense where why does one side favor education and open-mindedness and another side doesn't like i personally don't understand how someone could live with themselves being in favor of like not being nice to another person (laughs) like i just i've i can't get my mind around that you know and where where we could choose to be more educated because we have that opportunity and people still choose not to be you know it affects all of us i mean if we blur, if, if, if even if you think like we're vocal, you and I are on the front lines, we're at the protests, we're having these conversations, like even if we think we're doing the work, like all of us at some point to some degree either turn a blind eye or have turned a blind eye. Like we're either, you know, an accomplice or an observer, like, and, and I think the most tender and vulnerable parts of this movement has caused people to take a step back and be like, well, I mean, I personally have always been a fan of racial equality, but I know for a fact, I, I mean, I can't tell you an exact example, but I know for a fact 
I've probably given into one or two of those things, you know, witnessing a microaggression and not saying anything about it or taking advantage of the fact that I'm a Latin woman that doesn't look Latin at all without even subconsciously knowing that, you know. So I've I've had conversations, some of the best conversations I had are people admitting that, you know, are saying I want to do what I can to help, but I also want to be aware of all these other ways that I actually was part of the problem, you know, that's and so that's powerful. the most difficult that's part powerful, about it. Yeah. To admit that. Yeah. That's it, it's 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 definitely part of the problem. I mean, I personally ha- can't tell you like a very like jarring moment in my life where I have like witnessed that kind of racism or anything particularly mm-hmm. violent. Um and and that is just a sh- that's a sign of how blessed I am and and also the privilege that I live in, you know, as a person. But like I was saying, like, I feel so frustrated. I always stop and I'm like, imagine how they feel. <laughs> you know? I mean, you, you, I mean, Black Lives Matter and racial equality is something that's so important to you. Like, I know that it's actually been very prevalent in your life before. I don't know if you yeah, want to share yeah, some, my, you know, um, personal um, experiences. Of, like a boyfriend that I had in high school, I went to a private high school and I don't, we only had two Black and there was two black guys <laughs> in our high school, all of our high school. Right? Wow. We went from like <laughs> kindergarten all the way to, to uh, 12th grade. And um, I spent a lot of time with this particular one of the one of the black guys. And he became a good friend of mine and ultimately became my boyfriend. Um, and and I remember, you know, we were having we were off. We were off topic in this. But I, I remember thinking this is going to be a problem. And I don't know why it wasn't like embedded in, it was embedded into my psyche somehow. But I remember thinking it was going to be a problem and, and it was in fact a problem. It did create a lot of rifts in, in my inner circle and outer circle. Um, And I can specifically speak to probably. Well, because, because you were dating a a black guy. You know, a lot of those name calling, um, and and just to make everybody point out that I come from a Cuban background, and so uh, unfortunately, one thing that I do not like about Cubans is that for whatever reason they seem to be racist, and I I don't understand it. Minority being racist against minority, no, don't understand it again. But either way, um, even people who I thought were super open-minded and cool, again, not something that I actually thought about, but. They would come and call me names, and I, you know, I don't want to get into the specifics of the names. They're really hurtful, and um, but the biggest thing to me was really one time, several times. It's happened to us several times. We were together for many, many years, um, but we were living in Miami, and he drove a very nice car of the year, right? And we're, yeah, I just <laughs> I need to paint the picture because it's happened. It happened to us at least three times, and so we're driving down the road. He's a great driver, wasn't speeding, didn't take a stop. I mean, everything was like, cool. Get stopped by a cop car. This is the first time this ever happened. And he, you know, he stops the car. I'm like, what the heck is going on? What did we do wrong? And he's like, don't talk. And he put his hands up. I was like, why are you putting your hands up? <laughs> like, you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And he goes, T, just be quiet. And I was like, what the heck is going on here? And the cop you know, pulls him out of the car and he goes, officer, what did I do wrong? I'm just, and I'd like to understand. And he goes, get out of the car, put your hands behind um, your, your back. 
And I'm like, what is going on? So I start yelling, what is going on? You know, I'm here thinking the police is here to defend us, our safety, right? I've never had an encounter with a policeman right. before. Not like that, at least. And the minute he stands up, he's he's a very tall man. He's like, at the time, he grew a lot when we were dating. because he He's like 6'5 now. But at the time, I think he was like 6'3. He stood up and totally towered Still. over the cop. The cop got really yeah. agitated at that point and said, hands behind your back and slammed him down to the ground. And Oof. I just did not understand. I get worked up right now, but I did not understand what was going on. So another cop comes and, and, and pulls up to my side and says, ma'am, are you in distress? Are you here against your will? I'm like, I'm distressed because you have my boyfriend pinned down to the ground. What's wrong with you? Like, he has, we didn't do anything. You can't even right. tell us what we did wrong. I was like, get him back in the car. Yeah. And they're like, ma'am, stay in the car, stay in the vehicle. It was like, you could just blatantly, it was just, they couldn't even give us an answer as to why he was doing it. You know, um, another wow. time we, and that happened, that, that situation getting stopped for no reason happened at least two or three more times. Another time we were outside of a billiard with a bunch of our friends. He and I had come down. He's, he was he's very ticklish. So I was tickling him and we were play fighting, just to, you know, just having fun. You could totally tell we were having fun. There was a lot of smiles happening. And two cop cars, we were in the in the parking lot of the billiard. Two cop cars came on either side of us and said, you know, this loud speaker or whatever their, you know, their thing, their radio said, step away from the female. And I just start, I just knew where this was going now because now I've had some. I've had some right. experiences under my belt. And I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And they held him behind his back, you know, and it, it's just, it was really hard to see that happen, you know, and um, it got really tiring for us, you know. Um, I'm sure. Some of the people around me didn't approve of it. They made it difficult. It was just, there was no reason. He, honestly, that, that individual, can, and he's still in my life, he is probably... He's probably, no, it probably is a bad word. He is the best human being I have ever met. Let's not even categorize gender. He is the best human being I've ever met. Just a solid human, solid human. And the fact that those things happened to him and they were at all made him feel like he's less of a person or, and he's gone on to do amazing things in his life. And I can't imagine that if somebody would have put a knee to his neck, and would have ended his life because mm. he was driving his girlfriend home in his nice car. You know, it's, right. just, it's just, it's hard to wrap your head around. It, it, I mean, it makes you think like if we, if, if that, if that happened, right. But if, if, you know, the black communities and, you know, by POC, um, at least had an equal way of living, you know, like if, if those people went home and lived in neighborhoods with good school zones and, and, you know, good economic opportunities and, and job opportunities, if their quality of life was any way equal to what other communities experience in this country, then the anger and the comfort might, I mean, that anger might not be at that level, but 
these people then have to go home and live lives where they're working at a fraction, I mean, receiving a fraction and they're putting out, you know, 200% because of all this other stuff on their soldier shoulders and the weight that they live in. Like, no wonder people are angry. No wonder people feel completely unsupported and unloved by this country that loves to live by the line of, you know, home of the free, free right. and I mean, <laughs> land of the free, home of the brave. Like, to who? I mean, you know? And, like, I saw it makes you completely understand why these people are living in fear constantly, you know, why, you know, mothers see their sons and their husbands leave their house, not knowing whether they're going to come home. Um, it, you know, I, I saw this video online and it, it's something so simple, but it's so heartbreaking. And it's a video of, a, you know, I guess it's like a, a bus full of people, you know, coming down at a bus station and right at the bus station, someone's holding like those thermometers to test your temperature. Which, by the way, like, I had a hard the time COVID with. one. I, I don't like that, that feeling. <laughs> I know. I don't, that's, that's just a weird feeling. Yeah, yeah please keep going. <laughs> So, so these, these people are leaving the bus and like for the moment they, you know, get off of the bus, like this guy's pointing this like mm -hmm. little, you know, temperature gun at the space and the video shows this black man, you know, exiting the bus and this guy points the temperature gun at his face and the first reaction he has, his knee jerk reaction is puts his hands up, yeah. you know, he thinks he, an actual gun is being pointed at him and it's like seeing that that is a person, that is a human being's natural reaction to a situation like that, like doesn't even give himself time to observe what's actually being pointed at him is yeah. heartbreaking. It's mm -hmm. absolutely heartbreaking. That's why this conversation yeah. needs to be I mean, happening. I, I think if we... If we outside of the black community, Hispanic, Latinos, you name it, anybody, European, what have you, if we can get down to that level to think that every single day they live with that, every single day, to yeah. think that my son can walk out of this house and not come home because of the color of his skin, solely on the color of his skin, is, is really difficult. And, and when you think back to it, I, I listened to a really interesting podcast. Um, for those of you, we'll put it in the show notes, but it's called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Um, Emmanuel Acho, who's amazing on these, really tackles some really difficult questions about it. And, and he said, you know, imagine that every day, which to your point, Polo, you just said it, they're trying, they're giving 200%, where maybe we just have to give 100%. They're giving 200% and they're still not getting there. So I understand, and I, when you see these protests and you see them yelling, you see the years of systemic oppression, and it's got to be frustrating as mm -hmm. all heck, you know? Even me as a female for certain things, right. when I get blocked by a male voice or, or promotion or maybe somebody else got the job because he was male or white male, what, whatever the case may be, um, it, it's hard. And we just experience glimpses of it, you know? And they're experiencing, mm -hmm. experiencing it every single day. That cycle, that has to play with your yeah. health psychologically. And we all know that trauma is stored in our bodies generationally, you know? And so exactly. um, there's a lot of stereotypes out there about black women being angry or all this. I, I think it's honestly embedded into their DNA at this point, you know, that the cells in their body have Absolutely. to carry trauma. And I think that there are years of having to solve for that generational trauma, generational psychological abuse you know, emotional abuse, it, it's a lot. And if, if we can just challenge whomever's listening to really get down to that level and to think about it in basis, I think that a lot more people can shift the way that they think, can be more uh, along with the movement, the Black Lives Matter 2 movement, you know, um, 
and be able to pave the way and challenge yourself, you know, when you see a black man walking down the street, do you hold your purse tighter? And if, if the dude was white, would you even care? You know, I mean, let's not get into the statistics on white crime and black crime, you know, but perception will have you believe that there's more black crime when there isn't. So, right. I mean, so does, so does Hollywood and TV shows. And, but I mean, in the, in the same way that we're saying, like, you know, we're like, yes, we know all lives matter, but right now, like the spotlight is on black, all lives, all lives clearly don't matter if there are groups among us who aren't treated like they do, at least in an equal standpoint, like black lives matter too. In the same way as we're not saying all cops right. are bad. We're not saying like the but whole, the system you know, is broken. but the we are saying that since, since there, yes, since there is, there are rotten apples, like we need right. to shake the tree. Like it, it just needs to happen. You know, like there are good cops out there, but the, the fact that even those good cops work among bad cops and they turn a blind eye, there's an issue there that, you know, we need to speak of in the same light. Yeah. But so I think, you know, obviously we can talk about Which this Which is why we're having a part and, two. Um, <laughs> exactly. So we're excited to actually continue this conversation in our second part. Um, it's a very sensitive topic. So, you know, we could dedicate a whole season to it. Um, You're right. You and probably so, could. You know, we're, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We definitely could. Um, and we feel like it needs more time to discuss. So in our second part of our rosy conversations, we're going to talk with special guests about embracing, you know, conversations around mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter, too. Um, but for now, um, you can learn more and visit us at our Instagram, which is at Rosie Combos, and subscribe to us on Spotify. We look forward to hearing from you always. So please share your thoughts, uh, comments, questions. Thanks again for listening and make sure to have more rosy conversations that help to move the female Thank voice you. forward. Thank, Thank you. you.